because sometimes I feel like, yeah, I am a leader in nursing and in nurse anesthesia and, you know, in our program and things like that. And other times I'm like, really, I'm just another person. And I think that aspect is just a part of my personality. I don't feel like I'm bigger than anyone or anything. And so I feel like with that leadership style or bringing that into any relationship, I'm not the be all and end all. And there's so much more that goes into nursing and nursing leadership. And I think we all need to understand that as nurses. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa DiDonato. And I'm Marian Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Today on the Amplify Nursing podcast, we talk with Dr. Dawn Bent, Program Administrator of the DNP Nurse Anesthesia Program at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. As faculty at Penn Nursing, Dr. Bent has mentored numerous nursing students, and she continues to inspire and support them through the many clinical and academic rigors that they face. Dr. Bent talks with us about the significance mentorship plays in nursing education, the parallels between athletics and leadership, and the importance of promoting diversity among nurse anesthesia faculty. Dawn, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming to speak with us today. Of yeah, it's such a it's treat. my pleasure. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So we're really excited to have you and I'm excited to talk to you about all the things. Full disclosure, Dawn and I talk all the time because we are the leadership team with the nurse anesthesia program at the University of Pennsylvania. But today I get to talk about all the things that we don't talk about on a regular basis because we're busy doing other things. <laughs> so we'll start with our initial question. What brought you into nursing? So that is, um, it's sort of a loaded question. When, as I was growing up, my grandmother, my aunt, I had an uncle who worked in healthcare. So it was a likely pathway that I was going to work in healthcare of some sort. Um, I really looked up to my one aunt who, as a matter of fact, when I took my first, actually second ICU job, it was uh, in an ICU that she worked in for 20 something years as well. But yeah, so I had family members that were nurses and I was like, hmm, this is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, when I was a senior in high school, um, you know, they always ask you, what's your, what do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And Honestly, I had my senior book. I still have it. And my 10-year plan was that I was going to be a pediatric nurse or a pediatric psychologist. Well, I'm not a pediatric psychologist, so I uh, actually am a pediatric you know, nurse anesthetist. And I was a pediatric nurse for years before I, I did that. So that's kind of what drew me to nursing. Mentorship into the profession is really cool. Yeah, it's so important too. And I think some of the things that we lose as nurses, you know, everybody talks about um, nurses are so mean and I'm like, wait, they're not so mean, you know? But I think that mentoring other nurses, if we think about our profession and we want our profession to grow, 
um, and be relevant at all times. It, mentorship is just a natural segue. People throw that term around a lot, I think. You know, they're mentoring this person, mentoring that person. And what does it really mean? And the mentor relationship actually starts with the mentee themselves. And I think that we lose that part, knowing what the mentee needs from us as a mentor. And I think that's where we, we kind of fail ourselves as nurses, but I think we're getting back on track to what it really means to mentor our new nurses. So talk about that a little bit more. What you're saying is that the mentee reaching out to people who have experience is what drives that relationship. Yeah, I believe so. Because if I have a couple students that um, I'm acting as their mentor and I treat them all the same way, student A, I'm giving you this, student B, I'm giving you this, and student C, I'm giving you that, and it's all the same, that might not be their need from me. You know, someone might need me to check in on them on a daily basis. I mean, we've seen that, right? And others are like, you know, back off. Sometimes I just want to reach out to you if I'm having an issue. And that's fine as well. But we as the mentor need to be able to step back and look at the needs. It's like doing a needs analysis, you know, on a person. Mm -hmm. What do they need from me? And that's how that mentee-mentor relationship, in my opinion, grows. I think what most people do is they come about it from the perspective of I'm the mentor and I will tell you yeah. what needs to happen. Yeah. And I, th- I think we fail students in that respect when we, when we take the leadership role of the mentee mentor relationship, mm-hmm. our kids think about your kids. They all don't need the same thing from you. It's the same as being a mentor. Everybody needs something different. And I think it's interesting too, because I'm not sure that the mentees always recognize that either. Yeah. And it's funny when I enter into that relationship with a student um, and they reach out, do you mind mentoring me? And I, one of the first questions I do ask them is what does it mean for me to be your mentor? Like, what is it that you're looking for in this relationship? And they tell me, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. Um, Sometimes it's a matter of checking in, you know, you may not hear from somebody you're mentoring for weeks and a just simple check-in like, Hey, how are you doing? I just want to touch base and everything's going great. And I usually expect that answer because I feel like students, especially when you first establish that relationship with them and they know that you're in it for the long haul, whatever the long haul is, if it's a month, it's two months, five years, 10 years. I mean, we all have those students that we, you know, we were their quote unquote faculty mentor when they were in our program, for example, years ago, I still hear from some of those students, like whether it's a pediatric case, they're like, oh my gosh, can you walk me through this case? Like, what does it look like? I haven't taken care of a peds patient since my rotation or something like that. So I think establishing that very early again, and you know, you call, I call it like a needs analysis almost, but if you establish that early, what is it that you need from me? And I want to be able to provide that to you. That's how that relationship just kind of develops and blossoms from the start. How did you become interested in mentorship and leadership in nursing? So interestingly enough, when I started in the anesthesia program, it was roughly 2008 is when I took on a very, very part-time role in the simulation lab. And my then, uh, the then program director, Maria Magro, she would, it was really cool how our relationship developed because she was like, I want, I see you doing this. And I'm looking at her like, okay, I guess, you know, but she, you know, and we all know Maria, she just, she pulls out the best in most individuals. It's the, it, it, being in a relationship with her is 
just one of those things that kind of makes your heart sore a little bit because she does bring out the best in, in people. So when I first started, she said, I see you doing these things. And I'm like, oh, I don't really see my, you know, my head. I was like, I don't really see myself doing those things, but okay. But sometimes people do see things in you that you don't see in yourself. Um, so she was kind of the one who she was like, tell me what you need from me. Tell me what you want me to do for you. Tell me. And I was like, okay, that's how it starts. It's like, I tell you, and we kind of work that thing together. So the leadership part, I, you know, we could talk for hours on that because sometimes I feel like, yeah, I am a leader in nursing and in nurse anesthesia and, you know, in our program and things like that. And other times I'm like, really, I'm just another person. And I think that aspect is just a part of my personality. I don't feel like I'm bigger than anyone or anything. And so I feel like with that leadership style or bringing that into any relationship, I'm not the be all and end all. And there's so much more that goes into nursing and nursing leadership. And I think we all need to understand that as nurses. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more there. Do you think your experience with athletics has affected your leadership style? Absolutely. 100%. It's funny because this is something that we kind of talk about. I am so, I don't know, the athlete and what people learn from athletics. My cousin said it best one time. He was coaching um, youth soccer for a long time. And one of the things that he said was, if I'm not teaching these kids about life, then my job as the coach is, is not done. And I thought about that and what that meant. And how does that segue into leadership as a nurse. I mean, let's, let's join those athletic and, you know, um, kind of academic brains. You learn so much about yourself in sports. You learn how to lead if you're the oldest or, you know, more, more experienced on a team. But then if you're not the most experienced, you learn how to follow. And uh, it's super important for us, even as nurses, like I have to know when to lead a group, but I also have to know when to sit back and listen and kind of follow and, and, you know, take ideas from other people and say, oh, wow, like I never thought about that. And I think that's one of the strengths of my leadership style is that I'm not, again, I'm not the be all and end all. So if I sit in a room and everyone has commentary on a specific subject, I'll never be the one to raise my hand and say, I don't think that's the right way, because I think that we can all mesh different ways to make it right for ourselves or right for the occasion or right for the program. So that's kind of how I feel about that. But sports, I mean, sports and any kind of leadership um, opportunity, they all go hand in hand. And again, if we're not teaching our, our students, you know, about leadership through sports, then I just feel like we are kind of leading them in the wrong direction. I know when we are looking at applicants, the athletes <laughs> always stand out. Yeah, they, you know what? It's that they have been through teamwork which is, we, you know, we talk about teamwork all the time mm -hmm. and how super important it is for us as a team, for our students to be a team, for each cohort to be a team and the program to be a team. So that's really important to me. And in sports, you learn about that. When you do team sports, you've got to rely on somebody else on the field. My daughters play high level field hockey. So there are 11 players on the field and no one can do it on their own, right? You need the backs, you need the midfielders, you need the goalie. Everybody has a job to do. And so that's what I feel like sports brings that into like our program specifically. The athletes, I'm like, they've been through adversity. 
They've been through wins and losses. They know how to accept wins and losses. One of the things I always tell our students is you should always be, this is an okay time to be at 50% most of the time. And my group of mentees, they look at me and they go, what do you mean? And I tell them, don't let your high days be too high and your low days be too low. It's okay to be 50% because you know, you're going to have an amazing clinical day and the next day might be awful. But if you like wax and wane your emotions with those days, wow, that's a, that's a lot of endorphins and, and catecholamines, you know, over the course of a week that you're just putting a lot of effort into. So if you kind of go that 50% right in the middle, someone's like, oh my gosh, you're the most amazing student I've ever worked with. And you're like, thank you. And that's kind of it. And you move on. And the next day when someone goes, you're kind of the worst student I've had this week. And you're like, okay, thank you. And you learn the lesson and you move on. It's okay. Just be in the middle. Um, and that kind of keeps those emotions in check. I feel like athletes have that. They have that piece of them that they're like, okay, we just lost. It was 10, nothing, but I'm okay with that because there were lessons learned in that loss. Or we just won. It was 10, zero and we won, but there's a lot of lessons learned. Maybe we didn't do our best, but it just happens that we were on the, on the uh, good side of an ugly win. And it happens like that. So those are the lessons that athletes bring, I think, to our program. I think especially the graduate students really struggle with that, that waxing and waning because we're, we're taking these students that are exceptional in their careers. They tend to be leaders on their units and then we're bringing them all the way down to a place of, you know, where they're, they're at the bottom of the totem pole and it can yeah. be a, a difficult fall for a lot of them. Yeah, it really is. And I think that we do a pretty good job of getting them to a place where it's okay to be average sometimes mm-hmm. because at the end of this program, you're going to excel and that's okay. And that's great. And that's what we want from them. But I think that we need, we do a pretty decent job, not patting ourselves on the back all the time, but we do a pretty decent job of telling them it's okay to be in the middle and, you know, just kind of keep those things in check. You know, where you want to go and you're going to get there. What are some of the outside projects that you're working on? (laughs) Okay, so COVID did a lot of things to a lot of people and it kept me a little bit busy. So I started uh, just a play on my name, uh, Bent on Education podcast. And oddly enough, it was by design, the idea of a student. And I don't remember which student it was, but they were coming into our cohort and they're like, Dr. Ben, is there anything that I can read to prepare myself? And all I thought was before I started anesthesia school, I started reading basics of anesthesia by Stolting. And I'm reading this book and I'm like, what is this person even saying? I didn't know what it meant. There's a Mac and there's a Mac and they're different. Like, what is this? Right. And so I said, listen, I can put together short videos of reviews of physiology, airway anatomy, and things like that. You can review them, listen to them and so on and so forth. They're like, okay, that's great. So that kind of gave me the idea. And I started, you know, just putting together little reviews for students and put it on a podcast. And they were like, this is amazing. And it's still, it's funny because this was last spring. Um, I'm getting back to adding content to it. It's on YouTube as well, because some of the students, like, I just want to see the PowerPoint slides. So that's up on YouTube, the podcast itself. A lot of students, like I continue to review them, which is great. Uh, So it's just out there for, you know, students to take advantage of, of course, all things, social media it's on, you know, I have together a bent on education, Instagram group. 
which I try to highlight, you know, some of our students that are in the program with their permission, of course, as well as just giving them some words of encouragement, because I feel like sometimes they just need to see that, like, it's okay not to be okay today. And they're like, yeah, it is like, and I'm okay. And so I just kind of put little, you know, words of encouragement up there. Um, on my Facebook group, I'll even do little quizzes for the students. Like I'll take pictures of medication in the OR and say, okay, one, two, three, go. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about glycopyrrolate. How does it differ from atropine and, and so on and so forth. And the students just get a little review and sometimes a little at a time just chips away at, you know, any kind of deficit in their knowledge base. They reach out to me. They're like, this is great. I love it. And I'm like, great. So I'll continue, you know, that aspect. At one point I started a young women on fire podcast. So through COVID, like I said, it's changed for a lot of people. And there were a lot of young people that were doing major things, athletes that were going into college on, you know, full scholarships, things like that. I found a group of, or two, it was actually two young women at the university of Delaware that they started an earring company. So I just talked to them about you know, what that looked like. How did you do it? They, I mean, they did it obviously because it was through COVID and everybody did things through COVID. There was another young lady who she did a lot of arts uh, and crafts projects. She lived out in California and Sacramento and her company was called the yellow company doing really great things for, you know, other people. So that's a little bit more on the back burner because obviously, you know, running this program with you, um, (laughs) this takes up so much of our time. But uh, I just try to keep those things out there. One of the other projects that I'm really super excited about that I've been working with two other program directors and Dante Flanagan with his uh, Bigger Dreams, Better Tomorrows Foundation is a faculty fellowship program. Uh, Dr. Riedel and Dr. Adnusi. Uh, Dr. Riedel is from the University of Tulsa's nurse anesthesia program. Dr. Adnusi is with Cedar Crest. And this is actually a brainchild of Dr. Riedel. So it was pretty interesting because she is a white woman, middle-aged, about my age, in Midwestern part of the country. And she saw that there was a, a big discrepancy in the number of diverse faculty that were teaching in nurse anesthesia programs, right? So she contacted uh, Dr. Flanagan, Dante Flanagan, and they got together, got their brains together and said, hey, we can do this thing. We'll teach people how to teach because one of the barriers in coming into teaching is that you don't know how to deliver that content. What does it look like? Academic jargon is like nursing jargon. If you're not in it, you don't really understand what it means. So they reached out to me and I was like, absolutely, I'll I'll 100% participate. And then Dr. Adnusi came on board as well. So we're just at the tail end of our first cohort of uh, students. There were four students. They were kind of our pilot. We walk through like, how do you do a PowerPoint? I mean, you know what it's like. You can either put 17,000 words on a slide or you can put seven. And either way, you have to be able to explain that content. And, um, you know, one of the videos they had to watch was a TED talk about death by PowerPoint, which we know that happens a lot, right? Um, So we did that. And uh, it just segued into other aspects, like what does it look like, you know, adding credits to your course? How do you do a course objective? What are the references that you utilize? Uh, The utilization of Bloom's taxonomy in developing your PowerPoint information. How do you do a academic CV? Why does that differ? And one of the things that I found even is that 
in academia, you, you're almost your own cheerleader, which is a little strange for me. Like, I don't like to put myself out there like that, but you have to become your own cheerleader for, you know, building your academic CV and what that looks like. Um, so this program, it, we just concluded, uh, again, the first cohort, which was great. We had a really interesting session last week, which was a faculty panel that included many diverse um, faculty members from across the country. The assistant program director from Emory, for example, the program director from Case Western, um, and so on and so forth, and other people joined in. And, you know, we're hoping that anytime you have an idea like this, I feel like you don't just keep it to yourself. It's one of those things that there's so much real estate to cover in bringing diverse faculty into nurse anesthesia and nursing, really. I mean, if we just think broadly, but, um, you know, diverse faculty, they have to learn how to teach because a lot of times they're just not afforded the opportunities to just come in and kind of give it a try. Right. So if you arm them with the information that's necessary, I mean, the world could potentially be their oyster. We know there are still those, those barriers in place, but, you know, breaking down those, those barriers is super important for me, especially as a woman of color. I think that's a a great concept. And you're absolutely right. When I came on board, you know, I was asked to come and much like you to start in the sim lab at Penn. And then, you know, as opportunities came up for lectures, I was pushed into taking an education course, you know, which yes. you and I took together actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we were given that, you know, and, but not everyone has that support system to teach Correct. you how to do that. And, you yeah. know, we had to learn to become teachers. Yeah. And it's really hard when you're trying to get your foot in the door, but you're really not sure how to do that. Mm-hmm. I feel lucky in some respects that I'm here. You know me. It was never a position or anything that I was like, that's on my radar. That's on my back burner. It was just not one of those things. I was always happy being Robin. You know, there was a Batman. I was Robin. I- I'm good with this. Like, I can take direction. You want me to do something. I'm kind of mm-hmm. your girl. I'll get it done. Uh, but, you know, at, there was a point when we were kind of, Penn was our program. We went through a lot of changes and, I think the last thing I said to Dr. Fairman when she and I talked about this position is I said to her, what's, if I don't take this job, what, how are you filling the position? And they were looking to go outside of the university. And at that point, like for me, it was about the students. I put myself kind of on the back burner and I was like, well, these students deserve someone who knows them someone who's kind of been in the trenches with them. So that's kind of what made me take this position. So again, it wasn't one of those things that I, I started out lecturing in SIM and said, eventually one day, I want to be the director of this program that was never on my horizon. But every now and then your preparation for something meets that opportunity and it marries each other. And it's, it's kind of, that's the time when you need to do it lucky me that I have you as, you know, my, my second part of our leadership, um, because it's been, it's been a ride so far. And I anticipate that we have many more years of this. Uh, so it's kind of, it's good. And those of you who don't know Dr. Donato, don't know Angela, it's one of those things where we talk about everything. Like, I mean, there's no subject area in the program 
that is untouched by the two of us. And do we agree all the time? Absolutely not, you know, but that makes a great relationship because neither one of us are yes people. So we don't just like rubber stamp the other person's idea. We come with our own ideas and that's why this relationship works out so well. Yeah, we were really lucky that we worked together for so long in as as partners and we had our, our desks were right behind each other. So <laughs> yeah. we spent a lot of time go, just going back and forth between the little drive-through window that was between our, our two desks, yeah. you know, discussing our different content or different things or, you know, how things were going within the program and what changes we thought needed to happen. So it, it worked out really well that we were able to step into that. Well then, and also too that, you didn't take no for an answer because yeah. there was a couple of times you were like, let's go out for margaritas. And I'm like, yeah. sure. And then you were like, let's go start this program. And I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> true story there. It took a couple, it was a spring. Thank goodness. It was spring because yeah. you know, it's margarita season. So yeah, it was great. <laughs> that was yeah. Good. yeah. It worked out. It worked out really well. So what I, I think I would be remiss because any anyone who's going to listen to this, who's interested in, in applying to an anesthesia program <laughs> is going is to want to know, what is it, are, what are some of the things that you look for in students coming into a program? The, the, the authenticity, be your real self. Don't come in trying to be like a student that was there three years ago. That's not you. So I, I want to see you as a person, right? That's the first and foremost. Know all the things you can know on your unit. You know, anesthesia is one of those nursing careers that a lot of students want to get into. I mean, let's be honest, it pays well. So students look at that. But gosh, if you have two or three years on your unit and you are digging in, digging deep into the pathophysiology of someone's disease process, I'm giving a medication. How's that working on a cellular level? That's what I want to see in a student. Um, have a good why, because if you don't have a good why, those days when you feel like, why did I do this? You're going to want to quit. So if you have a good why, that just makes all of the difference. Other things I look for in a student, you, I mean, you've got to be gritty because you can go in the OR and take a lot of things personal. And I try to tell the students, listen, don't take it personal. Take it as a student. You, you're learning. It's not about you, Dawn, or you, Angela. It's about this is where you should be. This is where you're not. And this is how we're going to get you there. So it, it's difficult though, because like you said earlier, our students come from a place where they're kind of at the peak of their career. Most times, you know, they've done all the things they've precepted, they've done committees, they've run committees, and now they're back kind of at the bottom of the totem pole. So it's a, it's a tough road but definitely worth it. There, I mean, nursing and, and anesthesia specifically, it does afford you a lot of things. Yeah. It's, it's definitely been a great career for me. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Me too. I think that's one of the other things too, that makes our program, there's a little bit of un uniqueness to it is the fact that we both still practice and we yes. both still really love it. Yeah. And not to say that there aren't other people who do as well, but I think that that shows that we're I know that you and I are both really excited to talk to people about anesthesia in oh, a super yeah. nerdy, in a super nerdy way. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. It's totally the best. It's, it's yeah. really funny when I see like specifically our students, you know, I'm still at St. Christopher's hospital, you know, maybe twice a month or something like that. And our, 
I see our students in the OR and they're like, oh my gosh, she's here. You know, like that's their, that's their, uh, they're wide-eyed like, wait, why is she here? And at the end of a clinical day, it's funny -er because they're like, wait, she does practice exactly like she teaches us that she practices. Because I tell the students that by the time you get to your specialty rotations, I said, I'm going to let you do, you're going to do what you normally do. And a couple of our students that I worked with, they actually were like, okay, so I'm going to give this. And I'm like, then they're like, do you want me to give that? And I'm like, do you want to give that? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, then go ahead and give that. You know, I am merely a resource at this point. I'm not the person who's going to tell you what to do. So the little birdies have to fly at some point, right? Uh, They do. Yeah, they certainly do. Yeah. And I think too, and I'm sure that you have the same experience too. It's always a little, uh, it's always strange to me when I come in and then everyone gets nervous. And I'm like, why yeah. is everyone so nervous? And then I forget I know. basically because I'm their boss. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know in my head, I think like, I'm probably the nicest person you'll ever work with, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, but <laughs> it all works out well. I think they go back and tell their friends, like, it's not so bad. Like you're going to be okay. <laughs> I hope so. I know. I hope so. Well, it was absolutely lovely having this opportunity to talk about you and all the things that you're doing. Uh, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you want anyone to know? Uh, not that I can think of. I mean, man, we can go on for hours, you know, but no, I think we've touched on all the basic things. It has been my pleasure being here and I'm super excited that, you know, you started this podcast. It's been one of the highlights Uh, of my listening, my podcast listening. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate that. We have a really great time doing it. Hello, Marion. Hello, Angela. How's it going? It's amazing. How are you on this rainy Wednesday? I am great because I just listened to your interview with Dawn and I absolutely loved it. For one, I had no idea all the cool stuff she was doing, but for two, I think it is really interesting, the parallels between athletics and leadership. I don't know if you know this about me, but I used to play women's professional football and, you know, back in my prime, not any, any time recent. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so, it's really true, the skills and the life skills you learn from athletics that we should and could be using in our professional lives. Yeah, I I completely agree. And it's definitely something that we've seen in our students, bringing them on board. You know, it's, it, it was always a little bit of a joke, you know, Dawn's like, oh, I love the athletes, you know, blah, blah, but then they do really well. And I think that's why there's this, this skill set and this mentality of you're not in it alone. You know what I mean? That you can't do it alone, that you need other people to do it. And I think it makes for a really rich experience for them all. So it's, it's really, really cool. Yeah. And Dawn mentioned it, you know, you learn when to lead and when to follow. And that's really important in sports, but also in nursing, in healthcare uh, and in life, right? So, you know, the, this parallel of sports and leadership, I think is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. Yeah. Dawn is such a, she's such a cool person. And when I 
when I did the interview, you know, it was great when I did it. And then when I listened after, I was like, oh my God, we didn't talk about this. We didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about this. Like that is such a small sliver of how cool Dawn is. Well, I think Dawn is cool too. And I was so thrilled to learn more about her. And now I'm going to be intrigued. and I'm just going to have to like take her out for coffee and learn the rest. (laughs) If she'll let me. Totally. It's the best way to do it. She's always up for it. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa DiDonato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. With special thanks to Jonathan Zhu for his assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can do us a solid, please rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.